Runo twenty three of Kalevala, the land of the heroes by Elias Lunrot, translated by William Forsell Kirby, eighteen forty four to nineteen twelve. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Runo twenty three. The instructing of the bride. Argument. The bride is instructed and directed how to conduct herself in her husband's house an old vagrant woman relates the experiences of her life as a daughter as a wife and after her separation from her husband now the girl must be instructed and the bride be taught her duty who shall now instruct the maiden and shall teach the girl her duty osmotar experienced woman kaleva's most beauteous maiden she shall give the maid instruction and shall teach the unprotected how to bear herself with prudence and with wisdom to conduct her in her husband's house with prudence to his mother most obedient so she spoke the words which follow and in terms like these addressed her o oh, thou bride my dearest sister thou my darling best beloved listen now to what i tell thee for a second time repeated now thou goest a flower transplanted like a strawberry forward creeping whisked like shred of cloth to distance satin robe to distance hurried from thy home renowned so greatly from thy dwelling-place so beauteous to another home thou comest to a stranger household goest in another house tis different otherwise in strangers houses walk thou there with circumspection and prepare thy duties wisely not as on thy father's acres or the lands of thine own mother where they sing among the valleys and upon the pathways shouting when from out this house thou goest all thy doings must be different three things leave at home behind thee sleep indulged in in the daytime counsels of thy dearest mother and fresh butter from the barrels all thy thoughts must now be altered leave thy sleepiness behind thee leave it for the household maiden by the stove so idly sitting to the bench end cast thy singing joyous carols to the windows girlish ways unto the bath whisks and thy pranks to blanket edges naughtinesses to the stove bench on the floor thy lazy habits or renounce them to thy bridesmaid and into her arms unload them that she take them to the bushes out upon the heath convey them other habits wait thy learning and the old must be forgotten father's love you leave behind you learn to love thy husband's father deeper now must thou incline thee fitting language must thou utter other habits wait thy learning and the old must be forgotten mother's love thou leavest behind thee learn to love thy husband's mother deeper now must thou incline thee fitting language must thou utter other habits wait thy learning and the old must be forgotten brother's love thou leavest behind thee learn to love thy husband's brother deeper now must thou incline thee fitting language must thou utter other habits wait thy learning and the old must be forgotten sister's love thou leavest behind thee learn to love thy husband's sister deeper now must thou incline thee fitting language must thou utter never mayst thou in thy lifetime while the golden moon is shining seek a house of doubtful morals with the worthless men consorting 
for a house must needs be moral and a house must needs be noble and for sense a husband wishes and desires the best behaviour heedfulness will much be needed in a house of doubtful morals steadiness will much be wanting in a man's of doubtful morals is the old man a wolf in corner by the hearth the crone a she-bear brother-in-law on step a viper in the yard like nail the sister equal honour must thou give them deeper must thou then incline thee then thou bowed before thy mother in the house of thine own father then thou bowed before thy father or before thy dearest mother thou wilt always need in future ready wit and clear perception and thy thoughts must all be prudent firmly fix thy understanding eyes of keenness in the evening that the fire is always brilliant ears of sharpness in the morning thus to listen for the cock-crow if the cock-crow once has sounded though the second has not sounded it becomes the young to rouse them though the old folks still are resting if the cock should not be crowing nor the master's bird be crowing let the moon for cock-crow serve thee take the great bear for thy guidance often thou shouldst seek the open often go the moon to gaze on from the great bear seek instruction and the distant stars to gaze on if you see the great bear clearly with his front to south directed and his tail extending northward then tis time for thee to rouse thee from the side of thy young husband leaving him asleep and ruddy fire to seek among the ashes seeking for a spark in firebox blowing then the fire discreetly that from carelessness it spread not if no fire is in the ashes and no spark is in the firebox coax thou then thy dearest husband and cajole thy handsome husband light me now the fire my dearest just a spark my darling berry if you have a flint a small one and a little piece of tinder strike a light as quick as may be light the pine chip in the holder then go out to clear the cowshed and the cattle do thou fodder for the mother's cow is lowing and the father's horse is neighing in her chain the son's cow rattles and the daughter's calf is lowing that the soft hay should be thrown them and the clover laid before them go thou stooping on the pathway bend thou down among the cattle gently give the cows their fodder give the sheep their food in quiet spread it straight before the cattle drink unto the calves so helpless to the foals give straw well chosen to the lambkins hay the softest see that on the swine thou treadst not nor the hogs with foot thou spurnest take thou to the swine the food trough set before the hogs the food tray do not rest thee in the cowshed do not loiter with the sheep flock when thou'st visited the cowshed and hast looked to all the cattle do thou quickly hasten homeward home returning like a blizzard for the baby there is crying crying underneath the blanket and the poor child still is speechless and its tongue no words can utter whether it is cold or hungry or if something else annoys it ere its well-known friend is coming and the mother's voice it heareth when into the room thou comest come thou forth into the chamber in thy hand a water-bucket underneath thy arm a besom and between thy teeth a pine-chip thou art then the fourth among them sweep thou then the floor to cleanness 
sweep thou carefully the planking and upon the floor pour water not upon the heads of babies if you see a child there lying though thy sister-in-law's the infant up upon the bench then lift it wash its eyes and smooth its hair down put some bread into its handies and upon the bread spread butter but if bread perchance be wanting put a chip into its handies then the tables must be scoured at the weekend at the latest wash them and the sides remember let the legs be not forgotten then the benches wash with water sweep thou too the walls to cleanness and the boards of all the benches and the walls with all their corners if there's dust upon the tables or there's dust upon the windows dust them carefully with feathers wipe them with a wetted duster that the dust should not be scattered nor should settle on the ceiling from the stove scrape all the rust off from the ceiling wipe the soot off and the ceiling props remember nor shouldst thou forget the rafters that the house be all in order and a fitting place to live in hear o maiden what i tell thee what i say and what i tell thee do not go without thy clothing nor without thy shift disport thee move about without thy linen or without thy shoes go shuffling greatly shocked would be thy bridegroom and thy youthful husband grumble in the yard there grows a rowan thou with reverent care shouldst tend it holy is the tree there growing holy likewise are its branches on its boughs the leaves are holy and its berries yet more holy for a damsel may discover and an orphan thence learn teaching how to please her youthful husband to her bridegroom's heart draw nearer let thy ears be keen as mouse ears let thy feet as hares be rapid and thy young neck proudly arching and thy fair neck proudly bending like the juniper uprising or the cherry's verdant summit likewise hold thyself discreetly always ponder and consider never venture thou to rest thee on the bench at length extended nor upon thy bed to rest thee there to yield thee to thy slumbers comes the brother from his ploughing or the father from the storehouse or thy husband from his labour he thy fair one from the clearing haste to fetch the water-basin hasten thou to bring a towel bowing with respect before them speaking words of fond affection comes the mother from the storehouse in her arms the flower-filled basket run across the yard to meet her bowing with respect before her take thou from her hands the basket quickly to the house to bear it if you do not know your duty do not comprehend it fully what the work that waits the doing where you should begin your labours ask the old crone then in this wise o oh, my mother-in-law beloved how is this work to be managed and arranged these household matters and the old crone thus will answer and your mother-in-law will tell you thus this work is to be managed and arrange these household matters pounding thus and grinding this wise and the hand-mill quickly turning likewise do thou fetch the water that the dough be fitly kneaded carry logs into the bakehouse and the oven heat thou fully set thou then the loaves for baking and the large cakes bake thou likewise wash thou then the plates and dishes likewise washing clean the meal-tubs when thy work she thus has told thee and thy mother-in-law has taught thee from the stones the parched corn taking hasten to the room for grinding 
but when you at length have reached it and the room for grinding entered do not carol as thou goest do not shout thy very loudest leave it to the stones to carol talking through the handmill's opening neither do thou groan too loudly let the handmill groan unto thee lest thy father-in-law should fancy or thy mother-in-law imagine that with discontent thou groanest and art sighing from vexation lift the meal and sift it quickly to the room in dish convey it bake thou there the loaves with pleasure after thou with care hast kneaded that the flour becomes not lumpy but throughout is mixed most smoothly if you see the bucket leaning take the bucket on your shoulder on your arm the water bucket go thou then to fetch the water carry thou the bucket nicely on the yoke end do thou fix it like the wind returning quickly like the wind of springtime rushing by the water do not linger by the well forbear to rest thee lest thy father-in-law should fancy or thy mother-in-law imagine that you wish to see your likeness and your beauty to admire rosy cheeks in water painted in the well your charms reflected when you wander to the woodpile wander there to fetch the faggots do not split them up at random take some faggots of the aspen lift thou up the faggots gently make as little noise as may be lest thy father-in-law should fancy or thy mother-in-law imagine that you pitch them down in crossness and in temper make them clatter when you wander to the storehouse thither go to fetch the flour do not linger in the storehouse do not long remain within it lest thy father-in-law should fancy or thy mother-in-law imagine you were doling out the flour sharing with the village women when you go to wash the dishes and the pots and pans to scour wash the jugs and wash the handles and the rims of mugs for drinking sides of cups with circumspection handles of the spoons remembering mind thou too the spoons and count them look thou to the dishes also lest the dogs should steal them from you or the cats should take them from you or the birds away should take them or the children should upset them for the village swarms with children many little heads thou findest who might carry off the dishes and the spoons about might scatter when the evening bath is wanted fetch the water in the bath whisks have the bath whisks warm and ready fill thou full with steam the bathroom do not take too long about it do not loiter in the bathroom lest thy father-in-law should fancy or thy mother-in-law imagine you were lying on the bath-boards on the bench your head reclining when the room again you enter then announce the bath is ready oh my father-in-law beloved now the bath is fully ready water brought and likewise bath whisks all the boards are cleanly scoured go and bathe thee at thy pleasure wash thou there as it shall please thee i myself will mind the steaming standing underneath the boarding when the time has come for spinning and the time has come for weaving in the village seek not counsel do not cross the ditch for teaching seek it not in other households nor the weavers comb from strangers spin thyself the yarn thou needest with thy fingers do thou spin it let the yarn be loosely twisted but the flaxen thread more closely closely in a ball then wind it on the winch securely twist it fix it then upon the warp beam and upon the loom secure it then the shuttle fling thou sharply but the yarn do thou draw gently 
weave the thickest woolen garments woolen gowns construct thou likewise from a single fleece prepare them from a winter fleece construct them from the wool of lamb of springtime and the fleece of ewe of summer listen now to what i tell thee and to what again i tell thee thou must brew the ale of barley from the malt the sweet drink fashion from a single grain of barley and by burning half a tree trunk when the malt begins to sweeten take thou up the malt and taste it with the rake disturb it never do not use a stick to turn it always use your hands to stir it and your open hands to turn it go thou often to the malt house do not let the sprout be injured let the cat not sit upon it or the tomcat sleep upon it of the wolves have thou no terror fear thou not the forest monsters when thou goest to the bath-house or at midnight forth must wander when a stranger pays a visit be not angry with a stranger for a well-appointed household always has for guests provision scraps of meat that are not needed cakes of bread the very nicest ask the guest to sit and rest him with the guest converse in friendship with thy talk amuse the stranger till the dinner shall be ready when the house the stranger's leaving and he's taking his departure do not thou go with the stranger any further than the house door lest the husband should be angry and thy darling should be gloomy if you e'er feel inclination to the village forth to wander ask permission ere thou goest there to gossip with the strangers in the time that you are absent speak thy words with heedful caution do not grumble at your household nor thy mother-in-law abuse thou if the village girls should ask you any of the village women does your mother-in-law give butter as at home your mother gave you never do thou make the answer no she does not give me butter tell thou always that she gives it gives it to you by the spoonful though twas only once in summer and another time in winter list again to what i tell thee and again impress upon thee when at length this house thou leavest and thou comest to the other do thou not forget thy mother or despise thy dearest mother for it was thy mother reared thee and her beauteous breast that nursed thee from her own delightful body from her form of perfect whiteness many nights has she lain sleepless many meals has she forgotten while she rocked thee in thy cradle watched fondly o'er her infant she who should forget her mother or despise her dearest mother ne'er to manala should travel nor to twonela go cheerful there in manala is anguish hard in twonela the reckoning if she has forgot her mother or despised her dearest mother twoni's daughters come reproaching mana's maidens all come mocking why hast thou forgot thy mother or despised thy dearest mother great the sufferings of thy mother great her sufferings when she bore thee lying groaning in the bathroom on a couch of straw extended when she gave thee thy existence giving birth to thee the vile one on the ground there sat an old crone sat an old dame neath her mantle wanderer o'er the village threshold wanderer through the country's footpaths and she spoke the words which follow and in words like these expressed her to his mate the cock was singing sang the hen's child to his fair one and in march the crow was croaking and in days of spring was chattering rather let my singing fail me let me rather check my singing chattering in a house all golden always near to one who loves me 
but no love nor house is left me and all love departed from me hear o sister what i tell thee when thy husband's house thou seekest follow not thy husband's notions as was done by me unhappy larks have tongues and husbands notions but a lover's heart is greater i was as a flower that flourished as a wild rose in the thicket and i grew as grows a sapling grew into a slender maiden i was beauteous as a berry rustling in its golden beauty in my father's yard a duckling on my mother's floor a gosling water-bird unto my brother and a goldfinch to my sister flower-like walked i on the pathway as upon the plain the raspberry skipping on the sandy lake shore dancing on the flower-clad hillocks singing loud in every valley carolling on every hilltop sporting in the leafy forests in the charming woods rejoicing as the trap the fox-mouth seizes and the tongue entraps the ermine towards a man inclines a maiden and the ways of other households so created is the maiden that the daughter's inclination leads her married as stepdaughter as the slave of husband's mother as a berry grows in marshland and in other waters cherry like a cranberry sought i sorrow like a strawberry exhortation every tree appeared to bite me every alder seemed to tear me every birch appeared to scold me every aspen to devour me as my husband's bride they brought me to my mother-in-law they led me here they were as they had told me waiting for the wedded maiden six large rooms of pine constructed and of bedrooms twice as many barns along the forest borders by the roadside flowery gardens by the ditches fields of barley and along the heaths were oat-fields chests of corn threshed out already other chests awaiting threshing hundred coins received already and a hundred more expected foolishly had i gone thither recklessly my hand had given for six props the house supported seven small poles the house supported and the woods were filled with harshness and with lovelessness the forest by the roadsides dreary deserts in the woodlands thoughts of evil chests containing spoilt provisions other chests beside them spoiling and a hundred words reproachful and a hundred more to look for but i let it not distress me hoping there to live in quiet wishing there to dwell in honour and a peaceful life to live there but when first the room i entered over chips of wood i stumbled on the door i knocked my forehead and my head against the doorposts at the door were eyes of strangers darksome eyes were at the entrance squinting eyes in midst of chamber in the background eyes most evil from the mouths the fire was flashing from beneath the tongue shot firebrands from the old man's mouth malicious from beneath his tongue unfriendly but i let it not distress me in the house i dwelt unheeding hoping still to live in favour and i bore myself with meekness and with legs of hair went skipping with a step of ermine hurried very late to rest retired very early rose to suffering but unhappy won no honour mildness brought me only sorrow had i tossed away the torrents or the rocks in twain had cloven vainly did i grind coarse flour and with pain i crushed its hardness that my mother-in-law should eat it and her ravenous throat devour it at the table and while sitting from a dish with golden borders 
but i ate unhappy daughter flour scraped up to hand-mill cleaving with my ladle from the hearthstone with my spoon from off the pestle oft i brought o me unhappy i the son's wife to his dwelling mosses from the swampy places and as bread for me i baked it water from the well i carried and i drank it up in mouthfuls fish i ate o me unhappy smelts i ate o me unhappy as above the net i leaned me in the boat as i was swaying for no fish received i ever from my mother-in-law neglectful neither in a day of plenty nor a day of double plenty fodder gathered i in summer winter worked i with the pitchfork even as a labourer toiling even as a hired servant and my mother-in-law forever evermore for me selected worst of all the flails for threshing heaviest mallet from the bathroom from the beach the heaviest mallet in the stall the largest pitchfork never did they think me weary nor my weakness e'er considered though my work had wearied heroes or the strength of foals exhausted thus did i a girl unhappy work at proper time for working and my shoulders stooped with weakness and at other times they ordered that the fire should now be kindled with my hands that i should stir it to their heart's desire they scolded with their tongues they heaped reproaches on my spotless reputation on my character though stainless evil words they heaped upon me and abuse they showered upon me like the sparks from furious fire or a very hail of iron until then despaired i never and had spent my life as erstwhile there to aid the harsh old woman to her fiery tongue submitting but twas this that brought me evil this that caused me greatest anguish when to wolf was changed my husband to a growling bear converted turned his side to me when eating turned his back asleep or working i myself broke out in weeping and i pondered in the storehouse and my former life remembering in my life in former seasons in the homestead of my father in my sweetest mother's dwelling then in words i spoke my feelings and i spoke the words which follow well indeed my dearest mother understood to rear her apple and the tender shoot to cherish but she knew not where to plant it for the tender shoot is planted in a very evil station in a very bad position mid the hard roots of a birch tree there to weep while life remaineth and to spend the months lamenting surely surely i am worthy of a home than this much better worthy of a larger homestead and a floor more wide extended worthy of a better partner and a husband far more handsome with a birch-bark shoe i'm fitted with a slipshod shoe of birch-bark like a very crow's his body with a beak like any raven and his mouth like wolf's is greedy and his form a bear resembles such a one i might have found me if i'd wandered to the mountains picked from off the road a pine stump from the wood a stump of alder for his face the turf resembles and his beard the moss from tree-trunks head of clay and mouth all stony and his eyes like coals of fire knobs of birch his ears resemble and his legs are forking willows while my song i thus was singing sighing in my grievous trouble he my husband chanced to hear it at the wall as he was standing when i heard him then approaching at the storehouse gate when standing i was conscious of his coming for i recognized his footstep and his hair in wind was tossing and his hair was all disordered 
and his gums with rage were grinning and his eyes with fury staring in his hand a stick of cherry neath his arm a club he carried and he hurried to attack me and upon the head he struck me when the evening came thereafter and there came the time for sleeping at his side a rod he carried took from nail a whip of leather not designed to flay another but alas for me unhappy then when i myself retired to my resting-place at evening by my husband's side i stretched me by my side my husband rested when he seized me by the elbows with his wicked hands he grasped me and with willow-rods he beat me in the haft of bone of walrus from his cold side then i raised me and i left the bed of coldness but behind me ran my husband from the door came wildly rushing in my hair his hands he twisted grasping it in all his fury in the wind my hair he scattered to the winds of spring abandoned what advice should now be followed where had i to look for counsel shoes of steel i put upon me bands of copper put upon me as i stood beyond the house wall in the street for long i listened till the wretch should calm his fury and his passion had subsided but his anger never slumbered neither for a time abated at the last the cold o'ercame me in my hiding-place so dismal where i stood beyond the house-wall and without the door i waited and i pondered and reflected this i cannot bear for ever nor can bear their hatred longer longer can i not endure it in this dreadful house of lempo in this lair of evil demons from the handsome house i turned me and my pleasant home abandoned and commenced my weary wanderings through the swamps and through the lowlands past the open sheets of water past the cornfields of my brother there the dry pines all were rustling and the crowns of fir trees singing all the crows were croaking loudly and the magpies all were chattering here for thee no home remaineth in the house thy birth which witnessed but i let it not distress me as i neared my brother's homestead but the gates themselves addressed me and the cornfields all lamented wherefore hast thou thus come homeward what sad news to hear o wretched long ago has died thy father perished as thy sweetest mother all estranged is now thy brother and his wife is like a russian but i let it not distress me and at once the house i entered at the door i grasped the handle cold within my hand i felt it after when the room i entered in the doorway i was standing and the mistress stood there proudly but she did not come to meet me nor to me her hand she offered i myself was proud as she was and i would not go to meet her and my hand i would not offer on the stove my hand i rested cold i felt the very hearthstones to the burning coals i reached it in the stove the coals were frozen on the bench there lay my brother lazy on the bench extended on his shoulders soot by fathoms and by spans upon his body on his head glowed coals a yard high and of hard caked soot a quartful asked my brother of the stranger of the guest he thus inquired stranger why hast crossed the water and on this i gave him answer dost thou then not know thy sister once the daughter of thy mother we are children of one mother of one bird are we the nestlings by one goose have we been nurtured in one grouse's nest been fostered then my brother broke out weeping from his eyes the tears were falling 
to his wife then said my brother and he whispered to his darling bring some food to give my sister but with mocking eyes she brought me cabbage stalks from out the kitchen whence the whelp the fat had eaten and the dog had licked the salt from and the black dog had his meal of to his wife then said my brother and he whispered to his darling fetch some ale to give the stranger but with mocking eyes she carried water only for the stranger but instead of drinking water water she had washed her face in and her sister washed her hands in from my brother's house i wandered left the house that i was born in hurried forth o me unhappy wandered on o me unhappy wretched on the shores to wander toiling on for ever wretched always to the doors of strangers always to the gates of strangers on the beach with poorest children sufferers of the village poorhouse there were many of the people many were there who abused me and with evil words attacked me and with sharpest words repulsed me few there are among the people who have spoken to me kindly and with kindly words received me and before the stove who led me when i came from out the rainstorm or from out the cold came shrinking with my dress with rime all covered while the snow my fur cloak covered in my youthful days i never i could never have believed it though a hundred told me of it and a thousand tongues repeated such distress should fall upon me such distress should overwhelm me as upon my head has fallen laid upon my hands such burdens end of runo twenty three recording by expatriate in bangor maine